Now, Brent, it is finally time for our MetaMask correspondent, a man who would, in fact, look better with a mask. Wow. Wow. <laughs> that it is was just the... easy. It was just easy. Brent. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to this edition of the Crypto Basic Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. My name is Kareem Baruch and I'm here with my co-hosts, Brent Philbin. Hey, what's up, going on and down, everybody? And Adam, the Ruthless Libby. Hello, hello. So, if you are not familiar with our flagship Fridays, they are air weekly news episodes where we cover some headlines, get skeptical about crypto media, maybe see some shots fired from different crypto personalities and just basically give you an update on the cryptocurrency world. But before we dive into the world at large, Brent, any updates specific to the Crypto Basic show? Well, we released yesterday a portion of an episode where I went on the um, the Bitcoin Takeover podcast. And that entire thing is actually two and a half hours long. So he releases all of his episodes at once, so he'll do 10 episodes and then release them as a season. He's very Netflixy, So <laughs> the rest of that, you'll be able to listen to it when it comes out on his show. Unless you happen to be a Patreon member, I went ahead and released the entire thing to the Patreon members, although the back half is not edited. So, you know, give and take. But uh, yeah, that, that's, what, that's what happened this week. Uh, that, that came out yesterday. And we also have coming up an interesting couple of shows. The first one is... You may have noticed Adam was being on more, and he's probably going to be a co-host, but we're going to have to put him through the ringer a little bit here and do a little casting couch episode. So we'll, uh, we won't we will spoil anything about what that's going to be like. But Will this be an opportunity for the audience to get to know Adam better, Brent? Yeah, it will. It will be an opportunity for the audience to get to know Adam better. It'll test his improv skills a little bit and test his crypto knowledge, more importantly. So we're going to – we'll see how that goes next week. And then – also coming up, uh, we've decided via some Twitter polling and information that we're going to tackle the Decred 101 and maybe get a team member on from their team also to help us with that as a follow-up because, you know, Lummy Flux knows everybody. So he's like, hey, <laughs> hey, if you guys are going to do 101 on Decred, I got a guy. Yeah. So, well, if he doesn't know someone, he'll make sure he knows them by the end of the day. So it's pretty yep. impressive. Uh, all right. Yeah. I feel like I've seen... Uh, Decred requested. Yeah, it's been piping up a lot. So I I put out a, a Twitter thing that said, hey, what co- what things do you want us to cover? And the first two or three things people said they wanted us to cover, we had already covered. And then, then, and then everything else was Decred except for like a, one very clearly shill account that was like, hey, you should cover this random shitcoin that I've never heard of. And then like two people responded to it like, oh man, I've been really waiting for this one. (laughs) (laughs) I love our community. Fantastic. All right. I'm looking forward to that too. I actually don't know basically anything about Decred. So I'm looking I've heard about it a lot, but I don't really know much. I think they have a DAO. That's all I know. Ooh, I still love the way that word sounds. But I'm not going to let us get stuck in our laurels. We're going to move on to the rapid fire section. And Brent, sounds like first time in a long time, you're taking a break here on rapid fire. And we are going with our new possible co-host, Adam, taking the reins on rapid fire. This is where he's going to give us quick headlines from around the cryptoverse. We're not going to dive super deep. Adam, hit it. All right, guys. I'm ready. I'm ready for this rapid fire. 
So <laughs> the first thing that I wanted to talk about was Ari Paul. He is a, I mean, I forget what his role is in crypto, but he's definitely made himself very known in the crypto world. Countless times I've seen him having pretty good threads on the space in general. And this one is pretty much that as well. So he tweeted the other day that Fidelity's cryptocurrency culture is bonkers. That's in his Twitter. But Bonkers. uh, Yeah, bonkers. Like, oh, man, that's bonkers, bro. Shots fired. But what he's saying is that there are hundreds of passionate advocates at every level of seniority at the firm, and they have more people working on crypto than the five biggest crypto funds combined. So this kind of feels like a bull sign, to be honest. When you have the Fidelity's a wealth management firm, pretty much, and it's it's I think it's widely considered the the biggest one. Well, I would say that J.P. Morgan might be the biggest, but Fidelity is pretty up there. This is very not rapid, though. No, it's I'm not. Just, I'm gonna have to say. Oh, fair enough. Well, <laughs> we I could have put this one down in the actual to talk about it, but yes, bonkers. I was interested in this one. Sorry, I should have. Uh, this is not rapid. You know, it's my first time. <laughs> you know I'll what, understand. Adam? You know what? I'm using my hosting powers to say that that was an extension. Uh, we, you know, he's testing out a new segment called the medium fire section. And uh, actually, it was very interesting. Actually, I'd like to interrupt this completely and just say that this was like a bull. I wanted to do like a bull signal section, but it seems to have uh, not been. It was taken away. My bull signal section was, <laughs> was taken that? away from me by uh, maybe another co-host. In there. Bye, no. bye, bye. Brent, can we make a, can we get a sound effect of just uh, maybe Adam imitating whatever a bull sounds like? And oh. we could just have that anytime we have a bull signal, he could just go, I don't know, probably like a cow, but angrier. What? <laughs> yeah, why don't you give uh, yeah. us a... I mean, I'm, I'll give you the bull signs with my fingers, but you can't see Nobody that. Nobody can see that. Yeah. yeah. We'll work on that. All right. What is the <laughs> next headline in our rapid fire section? <clears throat> well, sorry. We just have to say, I just want to say that why oh. it's such a big deal is because when you have the company in like the culture of the company constantly living and breathing and thinking about crypto... That's just that's got to be great for the world of crypto when the biggest wealth management company is really buying into the, to it. So okay, that was but let me play devil's advocate here. Like, what um, do we have any kind of? Well, I guess more than the five biggest crypto funds combined. That could also mean that only one of the wealth management companies. I don't know. Like, does that mean that they have a lot, or does it mean that the other ones have very little? And I guess I would have to find out more about Ari Paul. However, I'm with you. I remember when we worked at Maryland Live, Brent, uh, all of the employee pension uh, or benefits funds were done with Fidelity, right? Yeah. And and that's also where I keep my IRA. And also Fidelity has the best bank account I've ever had. So I've tried, I've had bank accounts from everything from Wells Fargo and Chase, TD. Uh, I've had the, the cool ones like Simple and Chime and stuff like that, that are like the millennial style banks or whatever. Hands down, Fidelity is the best one they've ever had. They refund every ATM fee you ever get. There are no overdraft fees. The uh, like I've had a negative balance on there, and they're just like, okay, cool, and it's pretty cool. All right, so before we move on, and therefore in order to respect Adam's emphasis on this, I would like a brief moment of silence so that we can all contemplate on this being a bull signal for the crypto market. All right, Adam. On to All the right. Next story. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we prayed to the crypto gods for that. 
Uh, so the next thing is initial exchange offering, which is kind of a new, it popped up in my feed as just a new type of, uh, you know, it's a little different from an ICO. And I guess what it is, is instead of you just going to the website to invest in a coin, you're going through the exchange now. I get, I think Binance has been doing it and some other exchanges oh. are starting to hop into it. And it allows for the exchange to vet the coin prior and kind of go through more a little more of a, like a regulatory, pro, not regulatory, but it just allows them to, you know, vet the coin a little more and, and make sure that it's legit. And because it's right, if it's already gone through the exchange, that's kind of helpful for the consumer. And they, there's already people built in who would be willing to buy because they have coins on the exchange already. Well, I know that the first one that Binance did was BitTorrent token. So... I don't know. Maybe Huobi can do better. <laughs> not the not the last time we're going to hear from our friend Justin Sun on this episode. I promise you. <laughs> oh no, yeah, but ju- I, I do agree with oh, the yeah. main point here that compared to just a free for all, this I mean, obviously having the major exchanges play some kind of a role can be really good for investors. And I'm sure there's still going to be ICOs anyway, right? But for those looking for safer investments, this should provide like a good filter. Yes which I think is important. Another thing that was why there needed to be some sort of regulation because how many people have lost their shirt in some shady ICOs? Yeah, or their car, or their house, or you know whatever people invested in Substratum. <laughs> the end result is another option on top of ICOs. And STOs are a thing too. We need to cover both of those in a 101 episode at some point. We'll get to it as soon as we decide to delve in. So that everybody can understand more about IEOs, STOs, and anything that ends in O. I I will say there's got to be a big group of people that are looking at this like, oh, we banned ICOs, so now you guys are going to have IEOs, and then IBOs, and then IDOs. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right. Plenty of letters in the alphabet. (laughs) Adam. uh, Go ahead. Continue with our slow motion fire. Yeah, and the uh, <laughs> the last one is a tether hat. There's a tweet by some guy that I can't really pronounce, Ceteris Perubus, uh, who said that tether had 100% of the stable coin market a year ago, over a year ago, and today it only has 75%, or it's reduced to 75%. So that's an interesting thing to know. Okay. USDT is starting to have some competitors, and competition is good. I believe when Beyond Blocks asked us to do, I think, a prediction, didn't oh, we sent over as one of our predictions that Tether would be below 50% by the end of the year? I, I think was our prediction, something along yeah, those lines. Yeah, that, that was, uh, I, I, I want to say that that was what we said. We definitely said their market cap was going to be vastly reduced. I don't we said specifically market share, market share. Or yeah, share, yeah. Yeah, 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 because it could still grow and have a smaller percentage of the market. All right, fantastic. And I want to, believe it or not, speed things up here and go right into Formula One. Wait, no, we skipped one. Oh, okay. I'm Uh, sorry. We got to rant a little bit. mm -mm. Yes, 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 yes. So, yeah, you guys. So, I'm going to set the stage here for Adam and Kareem. They both came to the show with the same exact article or at least idea of an article. But there was a very key difference. Kareem comes to the outline with the Samsung Galaxy S10 has shipped, but only available for people in the U.S., Korea, and Canada. The cryptocurrency to- wallet. Real quick. 
The the Samsung Galaxy shipped in like seventy countries and it's expected oh, yeah, to yeah, be sorry. in hundred and thirty countries by the end of the month. But both Adam and I found different articles that were just stating that the cryptocurrency features were only going to be available in three countries. Adam's article said Germany, Canada, and Korea. And the article I was reading said Germany, US, Korea, and US, Canada, Korea, right? So it was either Germany or Canada. So we went go look to go look to see which one of the articles was wrong, right? The guy who wrote the article where he put that it was Germany in the actual quote. What was the source, Adam? Uh, it was Decrypt Media. Decrypt Media. Media. So this all comes from an exchange. Then part of the reason we had this on here was for our Australian brothers, okay? Because somebody in Australia messaged uh, Samsung on a, on their Twitter. By the way, something I love about the modern world, just seeing people communicate with companies like out in the open, it's kind of cool as opposed to everything yeah, is. being behind closed doors. Uh, anyway, so this guy's like, hey, what's up with the blockchain wallet in Australia? And they respond... No, unfortunately, that's only going to be available in the U.S., Canada, and Korea. The person at Decred Media that wrote the article linked to that tweet and still wrote Germany. They had the link right there. <laughs> the, the, the link was in the article. Yeah, that was... And then he made it to the title, right? Didn't he put that on yeah, the title? Yep. Like it, It's not even title. like it was a throwaway line. Anyway, I, I went ahead and went to the About Me section of DecryptMedia.com, their manifesto. Their first... here They have five principles, Kareem. The first one is simplify, simplify, simplify. Two is focus on storytelling, I guess. They're not, you know, oh, as long as they're wow. telling a story, they don't really care what story it is. But three is tell the truth. <laughs> so I don't, so, so far, they've got a 66% on their test. Uh, be a destination for builders and entrepreneurs. Yeah, veracity is uncertain on that one. Use Web3 to cover Web3. So, you know, I don't know. We're gonna give them a sixty percent at best on their on their manifesto, and uh, it's it's funded by consensus. So, pretty sure consensus is this cool conference and I, some other stuff. I'm sure. I have two complaints here. One is that obviously he should have double checked because he linked directly to the tweet. You know what I'm saying? And you're <laughs> you're the one writing an article. Like, come on, bro. And then second of all, I come feel, on, man. Come on, man. And that should have sparked a little bit of a I don't know, like. How did he get Germany? I don't, I'm just trying to, <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm sorry. I don't know. If it Germany was like, and Canada both have white people. If it was like, oh, this is only going to be available in Norway, Sweden, and something else. And somebody's like, oh, it's going to be in Norway and Finland. You know, I'd be like, come on, man. You should have been making that mistake. But I get it. What? <laughs> where's Canada and Germany being confused here? So just disappointed. That's all decred. We're disappointed. No, not decred. Not de decred. <laughs> yeah, no, de yeah. Decred, we might be disappointed in you. We yeah. don't know yet. De decrypt <laughs> media. Decred, we're looking forward to learning about you. Decrypt. I wanted to ban them completely as a source from the show. Kareem showed restraint and said they're just on the watch list. So they're they're in the hot seat. We yeah, probably we, won't link We to can't them ban yet. things continuously. Look, how do you feel anytime you try to show any kind of an article and somebody's like, oh, well, that's... That's CNN. That's Fox News. That's whatever. So we don't even have to analyze the contents because I've already decided that this source is completely unvalid. We can't be doing that. Can't be doing that. Otherwise, we're going to run out of sources way too quick. Yeah, we got to be <laughs> fair and balanced. Yeah, yeah. Well, just objective and skeptic. <laughs> we're not fair and balanced. We're objective and skeptic and All super right. rapid. All right. Wow, this let's, is super rapid. Let's that move on super rapid. to fire sorry i'm talking my bad <laughs> no. the official longest rapid fire of all time 
completed. New record. Hey, Adam, it's okay. I'm scared to do rapid fires, bro. Way to step up to the plate. Brent, <laughs> let's go. Tell me this story about MetaMask. I feel like you're our official MetaMask correspondent. Man, you just keep skipping all this stuff. But all right, I'll tell you about MetaMask. Oh, because I tried to go to the Formula One and then we didn't. No, we've heard enough about you, Brent. Stop hogging all the airtime. <laughs> Adam, tell us about Formula One. All right. Well, it is a awesome uh, racing series, the biggest one in the world, actually. And they recently decided they wanted to get into the blockchain game. Whoop, whoop. Yeah, um, they're partnering with a blockchain startup called Animoca Brands. I definitely pronounced that wrong to make a uh, F1 racing game on Ethereum's uh, blockchain. And, uh, you know, yeah, so they've secured a licensing agreement to develop and publish it. But what's really cool is that they're going to be using uh, non-fungible tokens for the Formula One game. Which means, you know, uh, this is what I'm assuming. It didn't say it in there, but I would think that if you have a racing game for for a huge racing organization like this, you're going to want to have some cool old cars, new cars, and all these NFTs are going to be, you know, so you can have access to those cars, I think, which seems pretty cool. Yeah, Adam, you know what this reminds me of? It's kind of like how EA Sports was able to get the licensing exclusivity from the NFL and it killed 2K Sports. Like I remember growing up, I used to play NFL 2K all the time. And then once Madam got a contract, so I'm not saying this is like an exclusivity contract or anything, but I'm saying that when we're looking at professional sports, licensing deals are big deals when it comes to games. So that's a great point. Like whether it's specific cars, specific racers, or things that are intellectual property of Formula One can be incorporated here into a game. And uh, I also saw something online today, which was like a little tweet reference about how early apps in phones were all those joke apps. Remember, it was like, oh, you're drinking a beer or the da da da, or it's like a fake flashlight or the fake x-rays, right? Like if you think about the lightsaber, yeah, all of the early apps were just kind of useless um, (laughs) other than the fact that they showed kind of semi-cool stuff. And it just slowly progressed like, okay, more useful things, more interesting games. Uh, you know, now maybe games with licensing deals. I have a little tangent on those apps. So did you know there was a guy who apparently just like hated Apple and <laughs> wanted to destroy as many iPhones as possible? So he put an app in the app store that was, uh, I don't remember what it was Send called. Send me to heaven. Point, Send me to heaven. Yes. The point of it was to throw it as high as you possibly could and get points for throwing it higher. <laughs> and then eventually somebody would drop it and break their phone. Dude, my favorite comment on that thread, Brent, was the top comment. It was like, part of me feels like all of these people were idiots. Another part of me feels like I could get a pretty high score without breaking it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, So, yeah, that's that's it. One thing they did talk about was it wasn't confirmed if it was, uh, you know, if it was going to be just buying the branding rights or if it was more of a closer collaboration but it is supposed to be coming out may 10th so that's Uh, not too far from now yeah so obviously the game isn't going to be on the blockchain but the it would be it'll be pretty cool if like the cars that you have in the game are so if they actually create like a fun game where it's got nice graphics and stuff like that but the only way you can get the cars is having an ethereum wallet and being like okay here's my car here's my car here's my car that'd be sweet Yeah. yeah The other cool thing about Formula One, too, guys, is that it does have, it's one of those things that has international reach. 
even though it's kind of a niche market. I certainly don't follow it or anything like that. And my guess, I, I don't really know how it compares to a lot of the major. I actually uh, have a tangent that as well. Tangent. Double tangent, tangent time. time. So I grew up watching Formula One instead of cartoons. Uh, uh, it would be a Sunday and I'd wake up and not watch like bullshit cartoons. I'd just be watching Formula One and all these uh, great racers. There's Ayrton Senna, who was my favorite race car driver, who uh, he unfortunately died in a race, but his doc, Senna, is amazing. And it really is, uh, they get paid a salary of like, I think some of the best ones get paid like $25, $30 million a uh, season just to race. So you're not, it's not, it's weird because I I have to look into it more, but getting paid a salary to race and then also, I guess you get purses of, of the actual race itself. So it's a pretty big deal, you know, when you think about how much you're getting paid just to race around. It's dangerous, man. Yeah. For sure. Holy crap. Sebastian Vettel has a $50 million a year contract with Ferrari. Yeah. Wow. Exactly. And it says here that 550 million people tune in every year uh, at some stage of the Formula One season, which runs from March to November. Okay, so not all at once, but that's still pretty... Sounds way cooler than NASCAR. 550 million is a lot. It's way cooler for sure. Yeah. Well, okay. They're both cars, guys. Everybody take it easy. Formula One 99. <laughs> All right. And what is our next story? Now, Brent, it is finally time for our MetaMask correspondent, a man who would, in fact, look better with a mask. Wow. Wow. <laughs> that it was is just the... easy. It was just easy. Brent, <laughs> I can't put the word mask on a paper without getting crushed. Unbelievable. All right. So MetaMask. It's tr- no, honestly, okay. First, I want to address the fact that I would look better with the mask. It's <laughs> oh not my true. God. My face is my greatest quality. I am like the definition of fat person with a cute face. So don't be <laughs> don't don't be messing uh, with my only attractive feature. Okay. This is second. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> second, MetaMask has been in the news. So MetaMask has kind of gotten some flack and undeservedly so, but we'll see how it we'll see how it plays out here. They have a setting in the MetaMask's backend that makes it not private. And when I say not private, it basically broadcasts your Ethereum address to every website you've ever been to. And it does that because if there is a dApp on the website, the dApp will catch it and you'll be able to just like click the button on the dApp that says, okay, I use my MetaMask. Anytime you use like a decentralized exchange and stuff like that, they know you have MetaMask before you actually do it because of the broadcast. It was set that way on purpose. It was always set that way on purpose. They wanted it to interact with D apps as easily as easily as possible. It's always had a private mode. You could go in and turn on the private mode if you wanted to. It just made the user experience worse. Well, the public finally kind of got this and ran with it. And I remember seeing the thread and everybody was kind of outraged. But the main the main person was like, it's always been this way, guys. Like this isn't this isn't something shady they threw in there. They're, nobody's data mining you. They're just trying to let these D apps know that you're there. And the Ethereum blockchain's public anyways, but they're thinking like at some point somebody could mine the data. Or something like that. So what do most other coins do in this situation or projects when somebody says, oh, you're you've got your privacy issues and whatever. And it's always been that way. They kind of just like, yeah, it's been that way. Deal with it. Like it was written in our white paper. It's always been that way. Like you guys can freak out all you want, but we haven't changed our product. MetaMask changed it. They were like, "Okay, cool. 
Like this is definitely, we understand why you're upset about this. We think it was a better user experience this way, but we've switched it. So default, you now have your privacy mode enabled. And if you want to disable it, you just disable it in the app. So they actually very quickly reversed and did exactly what the community wanted and are better off for it, I think. Uh, MetaMask continues to impress me. So Brent, I just want to make a quick comment here. It sounds like they did the right thing to appease the community, but probably pretty tough to compare it to other scenarios with other projects because it looks like all they did here was switch the default of a feature they had already built in, right? Like right. if this, if if they didn't have a privacy mode or they didn't have that private mode and now this backlash from the community started and in order to fix it, they had to put in you know, whatever, hundreds of developer hours and deviate resources from their current projects. And then they decided to do that. That's one of the challenges that maybe some of these other projects are facing. So not taking anything away from MetaMask, just making sure we put it in the right context that they had an easy solution and decided to go with it. Yeah, many of these companies will have easy solutions too. So like, for instance, our our favorite uh, whipping boy, Substratum, right? They had... Uh, <laughs> They had their stupid clause in there that basically said that it was okay for them to trade the coins or whatever, or certain percentage of them would be locked up in these different things. And the community freaks out about it. And and they were just like, no, screw you guys. Like, this is what we said we were going to do. We're going to hire our full-time trader. We're going to trade. We're going to do whatever we want. And instead, they could have just simply said, okay, fine, we won't do that. You're right. Even though it was in the white paper, we shouldn't have put that in there. That's true. But uh, that's... That was the There's plan like, all along. It was a planned yeah, scam. I know it was their plan all along. It, it's, I, they were just off the top of my head. Somebody that, you know, we, we've we also, I know we've run into other situations where they're like, it's in the white paper like that. It's always been like that. So I can't think of what the other ones are, but it's not an excuse that you put it that way originally. And then you find a reason that it should be changed and you don't change it. So I like that MetaMask just like straight up did this, but yes, they didn't have to go in go through a bunch of development and all that stuff. Although they may have. I know there was, it had something to do with one of the Ethereum updates too. So there was an Ethereum improvement protocol that was involved with this. I'm not good enough to understand the intricacies behind that. I just know MetaMask did the right thing. Speaking of doing the right thing, that's a terrible transition. Kareem, what the hell is going on with the Weiss ratings? Are they back? They are back, Brent, and we are going to do the thing like they do in that famous sports channel. Not that we're replicating or anything, but you know what I'm talking about, ESPM or something like that. Um, so, okay, something similar. Yeah, we're going to do around the horn blockchain. Come on, woman. Come on, man. So the Weiss ratings are out, guys. This is one of those investment companies that rates cryptocurrencies. They have them rated on three different categories. And what I wanted to do was just go over some of the ratings with you guys and see Get your thoughts and give some feedback. Again, we're not experts. We're not coding experts. We're not investment experts. So it's just a couple of guys giving their opinion. But let's go over these ratings. So first of all, they're maintaining a pattern. I don't know if you remember last time we covered this, Brent. They did not have anyone with an overall rating of an A or better, right? This right, is a pretty right. classic rating that. system. Yes. So the top four coins that got a B minus, the B minus was the best overall score. And it was Bitcoin, Ripple, EOS, and Binance with a B minus. I'm going to give you the rest of the, the top of the overall rating. We'll discuss and then we'll go into the other categories. So overall rating, B minus, Bitcoin, Ripple, EOS, and Binance. The next tier with a C plus are Ethereum, Litecoin, Stellar, Cardano, Tron, and NEO. And then the sole C, only one C was Monero. Everything else after that is C minus or worse. 
So boom, let's jump right into it. What sticks out? What doesn't? What do you agree with? What do you disagree with? Adam, let's kick it off with you. Yeah. So I think this rating system with Tron uh, being a C plus and Ripple being the same as Bitcoin as a B minus seems kind of kind of loose. Also, all these you know the the technology rating is uh whoa 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 spoiler alert spoiler alert we're sticking to the overall rating right now and then we're going to go into the technology come on here ruthless Godzilla. i apologize uh yeah so i mean i think bitcoin b minus is fine binance seems good i'm not 100 percent sold on eos yet uh and curious about the c pluses how you know i'm just curious why is b minus the best rating you know? Okay, so I get that idea. We also have to remember Wise is rating cryptocurrencies, but they also are rating other investments, right? So my guess is that they're looking at any crypto project, and if they're giving an A to something like Google or Amazon or whatever stock, blue chip stock, do any of these projects, can they really compare to something like that? I guess I get that concept. I have similar reservations. I'm not a fan of Ripple, but I feel like I can see why Ripple would be up there with Bitcoin and Binance seems like a very successful endeavor. Of course, Binance coin. I don't understand why EOS is in tier one and Tron is in tier two. That's literally the only thing I have a problem with. I don't understand why there's so much fire and passion around EOS where I feel like everything that comes out of there is just disappointment, negativity, wasteful, whatever. Anyway. Right. So what I will say is the D app community loves EOS because it it can do things so much faster. Hmm. So th- if they want to create something, they're they're they don't give a shit that there's there's 15 total people or whatever that can decide on their fate. They just want it to work and put it on a blockchain at the same time. EOS provides that framework for them, and I can also see if like we we experienced when we were at the speaker room in the conference, like people talk about it like it is good and it's important so if you're talking to people at conferences or you're trying to research this stuff you're gonna find a lot of good information about eos and how they have great d apps and all this bs right so i get why people kind of would like it and i get why weiss might make this kind of bad decision to put it here i still think bitcoin should be in a class by itself i don't think that it should be on par with binance or ripple if i'm thinking about stable investments i'm thinking about investments with good fundamentals, I don't see them in the same category. I also don't see Ripple as being in the same category as even Stellar, but that's just because of my own personal preferences. I know I understand why somebody would see that and be like, okay, big banks, good investment. That's cool. But this basically just covers most of the highest market cap coins. And I'm sure stability matters and why Tron is in the same category as anything or rated above Monero is definitely beyond me. Again, we spoke with Forrest. I think his last name is Coiler. He's Hashoshi on YouTube, and he gave us the developer perspective because he loved Cardano, and he also liked Tron. And I'm like, I don't think there's a lot of people who are going to have that opinion of both of those coins. And he said, well, I'm just coming from the developer perspective. Developing on Tron is pretty easy. So what what else he knows about the coin, he didn't really care. He was just like, if I'm building a D app and I want to get it somewhere... I can get it on Tron pretty easily, especially if I already had it built for Ethereum. So that was his experience. All right. Well, that seems like pretty insightful commentary there. As far as the technology, the other two ratings that they have, let's say the two sub ratings are technology and adoption. 
and then they have investment risk reward rating. For technology and adoption, the A's were Bitcoin, Ripple, and EOS, which again, just, uh, I mean, okay, fair enough. I understand. I can what- actually agree with that because I know there is a lot of development of D apps on EOS. So that would go towards the adoption thing, which, by the yeah. way, it's kind of weird to lump adoption and technology together. Yeah, it, it, people are using the blockchain doesn't mean that people are actually using the blockchain. Like developers are using it, people aren't. Right. They're making a bunch of gambling apps, <laughs> mostly. <laughs> but uh, I also don't think it should be rated above Ethereum. All right, so Ethereum gets an A minus on technology, and then the B plus goes again. We go back to Stellar, Litecoin, Cardano, Neo. BitShare, Steam, that, that seems to be like that tier two of coins that we like, that we think are good projects. Again, I mean, here, it doesn't make a lot of sense to have yeah. Ripple and two tiers above Stellar. That doesn't really seem... No. Well, from actually, a technology perspective? Maybe they did this before the IBM partnership, but the... Or adoption, I mean, yeah. Ripple had a lot more partnerships before IBM dropped the hammer on that one. Right, which is, again, why yeah. it's weird to have adoption and technology mixed up. Yep. So I don't know what BitShares and Steam are doing in there. I, I guess we we have maybe something's changed with Steam. I don't know. I haven't given it another chance, but Steam, it was terrible. Um, yeah, but it, it, again, adoption. I mean, yeah, it had it had uh, it was one of the very one of the first ones to actually be adopted by, you know, a good amount of users. And you kind of just have to give that some legitimacy. Some way. I agree, Adam. All right. And then the last one. They had in the investment risk reward rating, everything was like a D minus or an F or an E, which is the worst. <laughs> everything was. The, the highest grade, though, was Binance with a B. And I actually have a theory on this. I want you guys' opinion. And then the, the C minus was Litecoin Binance. and something called Holo. So tell me what you guys think about Binance having the only B as risk reward rating. What do you think Wise is thinking here? You know what? So Binance is it's weird because their coin it's not like their coin is directly correlated too much with their company it's very much not a security at all like you can use it for a little bit of a discount on trading fees it's kind of it i don't i don't know why it would make it more stable or more of an okay investment and it's also weird that litecoin maybe they're just looking at the history maybe litecoin didn't get murdered as much as other coins Hollow or or maybe is, it got murdered already so much, you know, because the, uh, one of the worst grades yeah. was Bitcoin Cash. Uh, they gave it a really bad rating. And I think that that was implicating like that there's no necessarily a lot of reason to think that Bitcoin Cash is going to take off uh, compared to some of these other projects. I don't know. Brent, I had a similar thought. Binance is a real business and maybe that's where Weiss is coming from. But it's not like Binance shares are giving you a share of revenue. So... Yeah, but it's also just a, it's, I wouldn't say it's a stable coin, but it feels somewhat stable when you're investing uh, in a coin tied to an exchange. An exchange happens to be the biggest, ex- or aside from Coinbase or a GDAX or whatever, Coinbase Pro, it's, it seems like it's the most prominent, you know, exchange out there. So yeah. I guess in that, in that regard, it's kind of like, yeah, maybe I don't, I don't necessarily think the, the reward is, is as much there, but the lower risk is definitely there. I can get behind that explanation. And with that, we're going to wrap up this analysis of the Weiss ratings. They don't know what we're doing. So then we get to analyze what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. We don't know what we're doing, but we just analyze those grades. <laughs> now it looks like some of the ratings make sense, to be honest with you, but still can't get behind a few. All right, Adam. All right. So the this next segment. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So I'm I'm kind of having a little fun with the uh, you know, 
the approach to this next segment, but basically imagine if you had to start teaching your grandmother about cryptocurrency and then you had to convince her to quit her cushy job of like 200k a year uh and then uh in like some you know she's a lawyer she's at a night or a nice financial firm and now she has to go work at a crypto company that's essentially what's going on uh with headhunters right now in you know the headhunting world they have they're trying to convince people that are you know a lot they're very much in their in their own lives you know they have kids they have families some have grand grandkids they're they're just doing well and they are trying to convince them to move to the crypto space. And a lot of them probably don't even know much about the crypto space. So I just thought it was interesting. And I also think this is just a, a good sign that this is where a lot of the recruiting is coming from and going to. But it's still kind of funny to try to convince you know someone who's very much set in their ways to be a part of this technology. Uh, I mean, I'm not gonna say revolution, but it seems like it's, it's approaching uh, something that big. Here on the Crypto Basic Podcast, we call it a revolution. Okay. And revolution. Yeah, very simple. Much like that, yes. <laughs> uh, I didn't think about the fact that there need to be some like old people switching over to the crypto space. I always think about it as the young people who are kind of forward thinking and move over there. But there have to be jobs somewhere, right? Like people have to be able to work in this space if it's going to be adopted, mass adopted. So. Yeah. I mean, how many people, uh, you know, so that's the thing, like the young people are not making 150K, 200K a year in their jobs. You know, some might be, but it's usually, you know, uh, people that have been there for 15, 20 years, maybe, and or are just very adept at their job from having a lot of experience. And they just don't all of a sudden they just got a job a couple of years ago and they're good. They don't want to just be recruited to another kind of wild west of crypto is what they, you know, a lot of the, uh, the people feel it is when you're kind of on the outside. Yeah. I mean, it is clear. It is the wild west. I, I can't argue with that in any way, shape or form. We're here talking about whether EOS can have 11 people change its constitution for no reason. And we're talking about the, the D apps and the exchanges changing a letter. And now they're quadruple. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It is the Wild West. I cannot blame anybody who has a real cushy job for not coming over here and believing in the space. So it it will be interesting when we see people that do come over and do believe that they have job security. Yeah. And oh, also, it, I feel like it's going to be interesting to see it integrate more, you know, like not so much like where people have to leave the space, but just blockchain starts seeping into the traditional workspace wherever they are, you know, kind of like. Maybe you have an IT person or it just becomes, I, I, I don't know, like, I, I feel like a lot of the adoption, as we've said before, it should be through integration, you know, rather than just supplanting traditional stuff with crypto. Yes. I hope to see some more integration along the way. All right. And it looks here, uh, am I seeing this right? You guys are going to tag team this story? All Bitcoin is fake. <laughs> you, you love skipping stories. Yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't I don't know how you're doing this today but Kareem is not mm. on his game. He's skipped over. That's like the fourth story you've skipped over now. Well, I mean, there was like I feel like there was one real skip, one real skip and then I went back. I I accept two skips. Well, give me two skips. That was bad. 
Uh, but Brent. But you have the best skips. We we bag. I have the best skips. I have the best skips. Always go back. Did it on purpose to see if Brent was paying attention. So we saw some bullish news <laughs> about Crypto.com and decided to see what their MCO card is all about. So, okay, yeah. So I saw some bullish news about Crypto.com's credit card, the MCO credit card. We I remember we've talked about them in the past. And in the past, I remember looking at their fees and being like, this is ridiculous. Who would use this card? So I was wondering if things had changed, right? Because people are saying some really good stuff about it. There, There is a functioning Visa card that has crypto attached to it. And I was like, okay, that's super cool. Let's check this out. So I go to their website and there is absolutely no information on their fees on their website anywhere. I found an FAQ about their fees. The FAQ said, if you want to know about our fees, download the app and in the settings button, you can go to fees and find it there. I'm like, holy shit. Okay. That, that is the, one of the most ridiculous things I've ever seen, but whatever I go, I download their app. I can't even enter the app unless I give them my name, scan my driver's license, get it all in there. Right. So I did it for you guys. I went ahead and gave them my driver's license. I wanted to know what the hell was going on here. I want to know if I was missing out on something because they had some really cool looking credit cards. So the way their their cards work, I mean, I guess their debit cards or whatever you want to call them, is you get different levels depending on how much of their coin you lock up. So if you lock up zero coins then you just get their base card, if you lock up 50 coins, which they're three dollars each, so you lock up one hundred fifty coin dollars worth of coins. Actually, they might be 350 or something like that. Then you get like their next level. And it's like one of those metal cards, like the Chase Sapphire card. And then you go up from there up to and including like if you lock up, like I think their top one's 10,000 or something. So if you lock up the equivalent of $35,000 of their coins, then you get this like cool airport lounge card and all that stuff, right? So they have, they, they post all over their website. They're like, no fees, no account fees. You get rebates on Netflix. Like you get Netflix for free if you use their card for cashback. You get Spotify for free. All kinds of cool stuff. And I'm like, this seems like too good to be true, right? So I finally find their fees. I get in there. I get into the settings. I look at the fees. They don't even start you on the the minimum card. When you go to the fees, they start you on like the Emerald card. You have to kind of, the one where you need at least like $1,000 worth of their coin locked up, right? So I, I, I swipe back and I go to the minimum card. So on top of all the exchange fees that you would have to pay for the maker and taker side of of doing that, and of course, the exchange rate, whatever that happens to be, if there's a fee there, every swipe is 3.5% is a fee on every single purchase you make. Wow. So and then also remember that most payment processing companies charge 2.9%. So you're not even getting the, the, the payment processing company rate. You're getting worse than that. And then that means every time you pay somebody who uses the Square POS with your POS MCO card, you get 3.5% off the top on you, 2.9% off the top on them. That means 6.4% is disappearing into thin air with every single transaction that you make. That's pretty ridiculous. And it was also extremely shady and extremely, uh, I'd say, wrong to hide those fees so far into the app that it took me that much to find them. And I think overall, start to finish, this took me like 20 minutes. So crypto.com and MCO, you can lick a dick. Or, oh, wait, no, that, what did Charles say? Suck a cock or something like that. Yeah, Charles Hoskinson got a little got a little uppity this week. You can check, you can find the link in our uh, in our Discord if you want to see it. But he, he, to, he told somebody to suck a cock on a live stream, which Kareem wasn't happy with. I thought it was funny. But <clears throat> anyway, not happy with MCO. So... 
if MCO, if you've got a team member that wants to explain to me why it's acceptable to hide a 3.5% fee inside the app like that, go ahead. We'll see how that turns out for you. Nobody's ever taken me up on one of the offers to come on the show and try to tell me why they're dumb, doing dumb shit before. So I don't see why anybody would now. <laughs> yeah, no, that's pretty shady. I mean, that right there, like, why would you have to install the app just to get that information? I mean, yeah, that's insane. all you need to know. It needs to be on their website. I, it can't even be legal not to have it on their website, but it's not there. I tried. All right. So we got a tag team story here, guys. It looks like all Bitcoin trades are fake. I knew it, guys. Nothing ever happens. This is a tag team story. Go. This is, yeah, it's just fake news all around. You know, there there has been no Bitcoins. There have been no cryptocurrencies, no Ethereum. It's just all fake. Uh, it's all simulation. Yeah, no. Actually, it's just, uh, I guess this article from Technology Review, it's, it's the MIT Technology Review, says the, high, the heading was nearly all Bitcoin trades are fake, comma, apparently. And, you know, that's a little bit of a clickbaity article, but basically it appears that there was a crypto asset management firm called Bitwise that analyzed 81 exchanges and uh, they found that 71 of the exchanges had artificial trading volume. And uh, I think what they're, they were saying that the, so it's called wash trading is what uh, they're referring to. And I had never really heard this phrase. Maybe Brent has heard of this phrase, but essentially- yeah, it's illegal. <laughs> it, it's illegal. And I'm pretty I, sure, right? Yeah. I think it's basically just like trading back and forth on the same exchange. With like internal exchange accounts. Just, they're just trading amongst themselves to make it look like there's trading. Yes, I, it is. it is illegal in the United States to do wash trading. It says around 95% of all the Bitcoin trading volume has been faked by exchanges through processes like this. Which, 95%, huh? That's a lot. That uh, is a lot. Um, so you saw that. You saw that it was like, uh, you thought it might have been a little bit sensationalized. Yeah. It's actually not. So I, I, I thought so too. So that's what, I saw your article. I'm like, there's no fucking way, right? So I pop in and, and I look. And there's so there's a website that I didn't know about until I saw your article. It's called openmarketcap.com. And what it does is it only allows trusted exchanges to be listed in the market cap rating. So basically, if they find out an exchange is doing this wash trading, they're not listed here. So it may not be 95% like it says on this site, because basically they're comparing themselves to coin market cap. They're taking here's what we actually think is happening from our trusted exchanges. And here is what CoinMarketCap is reporting is happening from all the exchanges that we don't trust combined with the ones that we do. And the ones that they trust are well-known, massive exchanges. They trust Binance, Bittrex, Bitfinex, Bitstamp, Coinbase Pro, Kraken, Gemini, ItBit, Bitflyer, Poloniex, and Changely. Like those are, you know of all of those. Yeah. And they have to account for a massive amount of the total overall volume. So... Here's an interesting situation with the way open market cap works. They have exchanges to be nominated to become trusted exchanges, and then they have their trusted exchanges, but then they have challenge abilities. So if there is an exchange on the trusted exchanges list, it can be challenged to be taken off of the trusted exchanges list. So, and then if it is, you can go in there, check out the challenge and vote as a community as to whether to keep it based on the information that they have to, that they have sitting there. So liquid.com is currently in challenge by them. And the ones they're looking at adding are IDEX, NDAX, Gate.io, um, KuCoin, and Uniswap. Those are still being looked at to 
to come in and then you can challenge whether those are allowed as well. So it's pretty cool yeah. uh, the, the way that they work. And according to that, when they're only taking into account those massive trusted exchanges, the uh, 24-hour volume of Bitcoin on coin market cap is 32 billion. The trusted exchange is 1 billion or 1.4 billion. So it's a 95.9% difference between all of the other exchanges being reported on coin market cap and the ones that they trust. Does that mean that 95.9% of this volume is fake? No, I'm sure there is plenty of real volume on the exchanges that they don't trust, but they are not including it in their market cap data because they believe that those exchanges are likely to have fake volume and therefore shouldn't be calculated in the overall market cap or the price because that's basically price manipulation. So yeah. Dude, and Tether is very telling from this website. CoinMarketCap has it as in 24 hours, $8.5 billion, $8.7 billion worth of traded Tether. And this open market cap website has them at 280 million. Yeah. Massive yep. difference. And as you go on down the line, there's less and less of you know the some of the coins have their volume faked less and less, maybe because they're on less exchanges in general. And some of them are more and more. There's one called uh, Grostal Coin that is 99.8% fake. <laughs> so I think this is a, an important metric. I think we really do, because there's no regulation here, so people can do wash trading. They can do the stupid yes. F-coin stuff where they do uh, transaction mining. And that is it's wrong it like i said it is illegal in the united states to do that you cannot do wash trading because it affects the price are there it, other areas where it is not illegal like i'm not saying it's legal but you know it's, it's just not there are no laws regarding it and i think a lot of these it's enforced usually more so than yeah. lack of laws the reason Binance is going to Malta is <laughs> the laws are friendly that doesn't mean Binance is going to fake trading volume but Maybe they could if they wanted to, because the laws are a lot easier for them to deal with. You know, it's the same reason we see uh, these exchanges in like Hong Kong or Singapore or something as opposed to somewhere else. So they they like the laws the way they are in the jurisdictions that they go to. So when you see these coins pop up in really shady jurisdictions, okay, now you know why. We I gotta I gotta uh, let you know that uh, I was scrolling open market cap and I saw um, this coin called. Bitcoin that had 36k in volume and it's the 43rd highest market cap. So I started scrolling a little farther down and number 54 is TTC which is short for Titty Coin and Titty Coin is $76,000 in volume. Uh yeah, it's the 54th highest market cap. What? Where did this come from? Wow, the 54th market cap is officially TiddyCoin. I feel sorry for SpankChain, who has been outclassed by TiddyCoin, apparently. So on trusted exchanges, more or less, right? Like this is... Technically, this is, yeah. On Bittrex, I guess. It's eight, eight cents. And that's... <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, All right. I think that's going to give us a new source to keep an eye on just for reference, Brent. And uh, yeah. So I guess this was a good, uh, good story to grab. They would have gotten me too. Yeah. All right, guys. And now let's spice things up a little bit. Shots fired. Shots fired. Yeah, just got to get up and caught up in the shots fired. Okay. So nobody nobody caught that reference. Crossfire. Nobody watched the, 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 those commercials when they were a kid. Anyway. Very good stuff, Brent. Continue. Yeah. That was a sweet commercial, though. All right. This is a little bullish or bullshit, too. I should have done that, but I already gave it away. 
Half of Justin's son's followers are revealed as fake. One, no shit. Two, it's a little bit misleading. But basically, there's a firm that does an analysis on different Twitter accounts. And they found that a standard account has about 1% of their followers are fake or bots or whatever you want to call them. Um, and Or of new followers, especially. So in a month, if they get new followers, 1% is expected to be fake followers. Justin Sun's account has 50% in uh in the month period that they were checking out were were new and fake followers so is he creating that himself or is he just attracting that are the the people who are creating stupid bot accounts more interested in tron maybe maybe he ran some sort of promotion that new accounts were eligible for or something like that i definitely have seen like retweet comment promotions from tron before but uh yep so it's kind of a shot fired because he's got fake people following him but it's nothing new i mean Par for the course. You got me there. Yeah. And look, I'm I'm not a Justin Sun fan by any means, and I do think that this is reflective. Uh, I don't think that it's accidental because he is somebody who benefits personally from getting his brand name out there, and he's all about marketing and the announcements of announcements. But celebrity culture is full of fake followers. That's just a reality. I don't think that he's an he's an outlier. I think that if you look at the people who make money as influencers, the people who are celebrities, whether they're movie stars or athletes or they're trying to sell makeup or whatever. I think that if we did an analysis of like people with a lot of Twitter followers, a lot of them would have a ton of fake followers. Would it get to 50%? What, I don't know. What would be like an example of a person? Who do you think? I, I'm positive even somebody like LeBron James has followers and actually a perfect example is every politician donald trump has a ton of fake followers hillary clinton had a ton of fake followers you know why because it helps them with their messaging i'm pretty sure most influencers justin bieber probably has a lot of fake followers you know what i'm saying it's just it is what it is well stand by at king james all right let's see what's the website the website is called uh, Spark Toro. And I'm trying to see if I can see other what we're building resources analyze. So I'm going to audit ourselves. I'm going to audit the crypto basic Twitter right now. You have to authorize the app. It posts yeah. tweets free. Oh, we'll not be able to post tweets. See who you follow retweets from your timeline. I don't care. You can do that anyways. Oh, oh actually. Okay. So I, am, I, I thought I was going to have to do us, but I am officially auditing LeBron James right now. LeBron James is at King James on Twitter. Let's see what his follower distribution is. So his fake follower account, he's 100 out of 100. So he's he's totally fine. So even LeBron James is at 39% fake followers. That's what I'm saying. And he's I have 38.5%. Like Okay, but uh, here's my point. Though. LeBron clearly has a ton of true celebrity, right? Like he's legit. It's not like it's not like he's faking his fame here. But unfortunately, like once you get into the millions, whether by design, by pushing your brand, because at some point you paid some marketing specialist to get you more followers, and they got you fake followers. You know what I'm saying? Like it's just I don't like Justin Sun. That's a high number for sure. I definitely think it's emblematic of him. But I, I, oh, you know what? He's only at 30%. Ooh, this might have been this might have been fake news. So he's at 30% fake followers, but his uh new user was at the 46%. That's where they were saying they think the actual fake followers were. And uh let's see what we got. So we up oh, there analyzing us for the first time. 
So this is going to take a second, but let's see how we compare to Justin Sun of Tron. We have 7.8% fake followers total. Whoa, we're better than LeBron James. And we have a new Twitter user number of 1%. So we are exactly where you would expect to be. And Justin Sun is at 46% and at 30%. So one thing that I will say is that, so I've been on Twitter for 10 years and blue check mark. Look at you. But it says, you know, oh, these people have been inactive for 120 days. So of the 2,500, so it pulled 2,000 random accounts from the ones that follow me. It said 50% were inactive for 120 days. So yeah. that's kind of not really fake. There are a lot of people who just, you uh, know, have used Twitter in the past who stopped using it or just don't use it that much. I could definitely go a long time without using Twitter. Yeah. So I think that when, you know, saying fake, it's kind of, there's a lot more to it. And I think that, that well, I'm sure there are some bots and some people that uh, just made accounts and never used them. It is kind of, it's a lot, it's, it's a lot more complicated than just saying fake. Yeah. So the, I think the fake, the, in the article that we link in the show notes, they actually talk about how the fake number is wrong. I forgot about that. They're like, we think that this number is wrong for the reasons that you just mentioned. Like these inactive accounts might not necessarily be fake, but they think that new accounts are more likely to be fake. So that is the number that they were kind of focusing in on for Justin Sun. So for something comparable, I, gra- I just pulled uh, Charles Hoskinson. So we were at 1% new users and I pulled Charles. His fake followers percentage is the same as uh, as Justin, but his new users are at two percent instead of forty six. So that was uh, that's where they're seeing the big disparity between him and somebody else. So yeah. Anyway, definitely interesting thing to look at. So you know, know where your stuff's coming from. Second shots fired thing that I had. Uh, more Twitter. Uh, somebody somebody was talking about uh, Bitcoin Cash on Twitter. They said because they've been talking about whether Twitter's going to take crypto. And they said, what if Jack is actually talking about Bitcoin Cash? And he responded, hell no. So did you happen to look at the date of the tweet, Brent? It's in February. OK, just checking. Well, I don't know. It just came. I don't I don't watch Twitter, but it's still funny that. He, no, uh, it, it is still good that he pu- spoke uh, publicly about not liking Bitcoin. Hell Cash. node. All right. We got no mailbag today. I got a little rant, though. Rant away. You guys are cool with it. So <laughs> it's it was just kind of funny. I actually met this guy at South by Southwest. There's a guy from a, a project called Tide, which um, I don't know if that's how I got on this list or not, but somebody decided they wanted to get on podcasts. They wanted to get on media. So they had clearly compiled a list of emails or bought a list of emails from podcast influencers. There were like 70 people on this list. And I know that because they didn't send it correctly through like MailChimp or something. They just CC'd everybody on the list. <laughs> So they sent out this email to 70 podcasters that is like, hey, you want us to come on your show? And the first person responded like, no, we're not looking for this at any given time. But then people realized what happened because <laughs> he left it on reply all. So everybody was just shitting all over him in the chat. They're like, oh, man, somebody signed us up for Ty Lopez's uh, <laughs> Ty Lopez's list because like halfway through it, I got an email that said, uh, hey, this is Ty. So they took everybody on that list and just trolled them and signed them up for Ty Lopez's uh, weekly newsletter or daily newsletter or whatever it is. Yeah. So that was pretty hilarious. Everybody's chiming in like, you guys need to shut up. Stop this. (laughs) And then finally, the person who sent it out was like, oh, my God, like clearly not my best day. 
I don't know what happened here. I'm so sorry. And, you know, honestly, probably RIP her job because it's hard to be in digital marketing and make that mistake. Like I, I, there's no way to make that unless you're just sending out manual emails randomly, which means that you're not using tools in digital marketing that you need to be using, but. Or that you're not qualified. I made a couple of connections on there for people whose emails that they had been uh, listeners had said, hey, you got to get these guys on the show. And I was just like, all right, well, I got their email now, so I'm going <laughs> to send it to them. And we'll see. I think I got, I think I do have at least one good guest. Do, coming do, out do so. Send it to all of them at the same time. Yeah. Well, so the reason I think I have a good guest is I replied, hey, if any of you want to come on my podcast, I'm totally happy to have you, except whoever started this fucking thread. <laughs> there you go. And, and that's where I got the responses. So anyway, uh, yeah, I, I, I know for sure Matthew Aaron was in there making jokes because uh, he replied. And uh, I think he was the only one who's been on the show before that was that was in there, but or that was replying. There were other people who had been on the show before in there, but I'm not going to call them out. So anyway, it was funny. And then I guess I'm just going to bring us home real quick because we have Patreon to talk about. It is the last flagship of the month, and we know that Patreon is the thing that is keeping us alive, keeping us afloat. And on the last one of the podcasts of the month, we talk about our master nodes and our secure nodes. And just give them a shout out. The secure node level is the $2 per episode level. The master node being $5 on that level. And the regular nodes are a dollar per episode. They just don't get the shout out every month like the $2 and $5 guys do. <laughs> so also Patreon members, if you have not sent me your engine enabled Ethereum address, please do that. We have Patreon specific non-fungible tokens that I will send to you. They've actually gone up in value since we purchased them. So I feel really good about them. Each one of them has five engine coins attached to it. So if engine ever really moons, I'm sure a bunch of people are going to destroy our NFTs, which is going to make them even more valuable. So uh, anyway, uh, our master nodes are we've got Andrew Giles. This is the $5 level, $5 per episode. They're basically the ones employing us at this point. Uh, Andrew Giles. We've got Marcel Bitcoin Mexico Bozio. We've got Robert Laverty, Simon Gordon and the bigger boat. And at our secure node layer, team. we have, uh, I need to ask him how to pronounce his name, um, Amaya, Amaya, Degenerate Brahmin. I've always called him Degenerate Brahmin, <laughs> but, uh, and his last name is Vaidya. I hope I've, I've butchered that every month. Sorry. Uh, we've got Disdangus in your mouth. He's, uh, <laughs> he's a great one. That's, that's the name. I, I know who it's, it's, um, I, I think it's, I, I don't remember. It might be Derpy Derp or something. I don't know. But yep, Disdangus in your mouth is on there. We've got Jeff. Good old Jeff. Name. Jeff is there. We got uh, Steve, Steven, Steve Staples, Stapleton, and the Z-Man all in that secure node labor layer as well. So thank you, everybody, for, for helping on Patreon. Uh, we, we throw up little things on there when we can. Like there's a video of Kareem and I at South by Southwest on there. Uh, you're getting the full episode of uh, me on the Bitcoin Takeover podcast, I guess, early. Everyone else, you'll be able to listen to it when it comes out on his show. And uh, we'll, we'll continue to throw some things in there if and when we can. Pretty sweet stuff. And uh, Adam, anything else you want to say before we close this out? Uh, no, except I appreciate Dr. Dingus's creativity. Or just Dingus. <laughs> is, kind of I mean, yeah, or, uh, yeah. Dr. Dingus. I don't know. Maybe that's my new name. I'll make it that. <laughs> Adam's new name on the show is Dr. Dingus. Forget Ruthless. He's going Dr. Dingus on him. There you go. That's about it. But this was fun. Always good to chat with you guys about crypto. Fantastic, guys. And please do remember that we are not financial advisors. We are not financial experts. All investments have inherent risk. I was here with Dr. Dangus and Brent Philbin. Thank you so much for tuning in. <laughs>